0: When I was 17 years old, I started a business. And I didn't do it the way I'm going to tell you to start a startup. I didn't know these principles. I didn't know that Ellen White says religion and business are not two different things. They are one. Bible religion should be woven into all we do and say. Uh, In Proverbs, God says, The weights... In the bag are God's. And what that refers to, uh, the the big thing of commerce, was a scale. You know, if they were bargaining over a fish, they had to know how much it weighed. And so the weights that were on the other side of the, the balance scale were God's. God is involved in business. And he wants to use business as an avenue to reach souls for the kingdom. And that's part two of this seminar. we we'll to be talking about 43 years in business and what I've learned in reaching others for Christ. So, when you're thinking about a startup, um, Ellen White has some counsel for us. Uh, from Bible Echo, April 6, 1903, the first step... In the path of obedience, of course, if you want to obey God, whether it's in business or anything else, you need to obey. The first step in the path of obedience is to surrender to the will of God. George Mueller, you know, was the great missionary and uh, was just very devout. And uh, he said... Nine-tenths of all the problem in knowing God's will is in this one item, and that's to have no will of my own. And uh, we seek Bible study through prayer and Bible study, for fellowship, so that we can become acquainted with God and we can fold into his plan. And his plan is supreme. We are his servants. And, and we might have some idea of something that we really want to do really bad, but we've got to lay our plans at God's feet, all of them. That's the first step, is getting my will in harmony with God's will. And uh, for those of you who are interested, George Miller has quite a bit to say on knowing God's will, and I have a handout on that. When you leave, you can have that. Also, I have a handout on the major principles here. Uh, for the for a startup, and the first principle then is not my will but thine be done. Um, and uh, if we can just get our, um, you know, Jesus, we're told in the Desire of Ages, seemed to do little of the work that he came to do. And uh, there were a lot of sidetracks and a lot of distractions. If you'd ask Joseph, you know, how's it going? Most of the time, he'd say, well. You know, I know God had some dreams of grandeur early on, but I haven't seen much. But, but uh, it's been pretty discouraging, really. And uh, when the two fellows came up to Joseph and told him, hey, we've, we've had a dream. We hear that you can interpret dreams. You know, you and I might have said, you can forget dreams. We, we had a dream back when we were young, and it didn't work out. But Joseph still believed in God. He still trusted that all things work together for good. Um, And uh, so having no will of my own, bringing my will into harmony with God is the first step in a startup. In the Desire of Ages, page 670, Ellen White says, Jesus had opened before his disciples a vast tract of truth. But it was most difficult for them to keep his lessons distinct from the traditions and maxims of the Pharisees. Earthly ideas, temporal things, had a large place in their thoughts. You know, uh, there was a feasibility study that was done in the Bible. Remember, they sent out the spies to spy out the land? You know, was it 12 spies? Yeah. Yeah. And the feasibility study came back negative. We can't do it. Only two said, we're well able. And so mixing worldly feasibility studies and God's plan may not work. I'm not saying that you shouldn't you know, assess the market, do market surveys, do you know, focus groups, do those kinds of things. But in the end, you need to do what God wants you to do. Not what the world says you ought to do. I had a business teacher, his name was Jim Weston. And Jim Weston, his grandfather, was the first person to bring private health insurance to America. And uh, his grandfather and J.C. Penney and Conrad Hilton all lunched together. Uh, They would brown bag it and they started an organization together called the Layman's Uh, Foundation. Anyway, uh, Jim would always say to me, Mike, remember priorities. Keep your priorities straight. And uh, one day, uh, one of the workers I had working had completed a feasibility study, and he brought it in uh, to me, and I gave it to Jim. And Jim looked at me, and he was so disappointed. He said, Mike, that is not a feasibility study. That is a feasibility study. And he held his hand, you know, about two inches apart. You know, the world has, has a plan and has a, has a way. And even Coke, you know, when they came out with New Coke, they got it wrong. Even with their big, thick feasibility study. So, the main idea is, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. You know, that didn't seem like a very smart thing for all these guys to fill up all these big jars with water. You know, but Mary said, because she knew Jesus, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Even if it seems impossible. A lot of times God asks us to do the seemingly impossible to test our faith. You know, told Moses, stand still. And for a man of action, that was the hardest thing he could have possibly told Moses. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Many told him to go through the Red Sea. Another impossible thing. But with God, all things are possible. So the first principle is no will of my own. Not even your business school and your business training and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, people that go through business school at the university... Uh, or any any university versus people that uh, go through a business incubation program you 're seven times five to seven times more likely to succeed just going through a business incubator rather than doing what the world says the, the world says you 've got to have a business plan you 've got to you know, have a detailed business plan you 've got to show it to a bank you 've got to do all this stuff and uh, the best business incubators find that it's the people that are more important than the plan. The plan's going to change five times. But if the people are quality and they stick to it, you know, they've got determination, uh, that's one of the key elements. Um, some of you, have your devices or Bibles. Let's turn to Luke 14, verses 28 through 30. Luke 14, verses 28 through 30. And uh, there's some principles that Jesus outlines on plans and starting. Luke 14, verses 28 through 30. Which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost? Have you ever thought about what that might mean? Sitting down? If if you have a plan of something that you believe God wants you to do, Jesus says, first, sit down. Ellen White uh, used a phrase over and over again. She said, make haste slowly. You, You know the one. Make haste slowly. What does that mean? That means... You sit down first. You think it through. And then, uh, whatever God says to do, you do it. And you, you do it with dispatch when God tells you what to do. Um, in 7th volume of the Testimonies, page 284, and you don't need to write these quotations down. I've got them in a handout here that you can have later on. God is not the author of confusion, but of order and progress. Let those who desire to advance his kingdom make haste slowly and build intelligently. Think it through. Make sure that it's logical. Another phrase she uses, do not rush. This will hinder the work. And a balancing statement to do not rush is caution is needed. But while some of the workers, this comes from Evangelism uh, 298, caution is needed, but while some of the workers are guarded and make haste slowly, now she's not saying that's bad, some are guarded, if there are not those united with them in the work who see the necessity of being aggressive, very much will be lost. Opportunities will pass, and the opening of providence will not be discerned. So, She's saying, you got to have balance here. When God opens the door, you got to go in. It's good to have those who are cautious and those who are aggressive. Part of the same team. From Manuscript 144, 1902, God is not glorified by those who attempt to go faster than he leads. Perplexity, embarrassment, and distress are result. You could also say God is not pleased for those who are going slower than he designs. And from 17 of uh, Manuscript Releases, uh, 358, the bud must develop gradually into the flow, full-blown flower when jesus said there in luke that we must sit down first and count and count the cost um, there's some, um, uh, we have, I call it uh, the inspired commentary on that verse. Evangelism, page 85. Christ has laid before us the plan upon which his work is to be connected or conducted, excuse me. Those who desire to build first must sit down and count the cost to see whether they're able to build, to bring the building to completion. Before they begin to carry out their plans, they must advise with wise counselors. So apparently part of sitting down and counting the cost is to seek godly counselors, to seek their wisdom. What do you think, you know? Um, uh, Your parents, they know you pretty good. And uh, you might talk about your idea with your parents. And those of us who are parents, there are godly people that we need to, to talk, uh, talk to. Um, Dr. Sweeney and I, we're thinking of a, of a new project. And uh, so we've been trying, attempting to talk with godly people in that field who have knowledge uh, and uh, a balancing statement comes from the Desire of Ages, page 668. And you say, well, this this sounds like a contradiction. It's not. It says simply, we cannot depend for counsel upon humanity. Other people can give us advice, and we need to seek that advice. But our dependence needs to be on God alone. The cool part here is Those who go to God for advice, they will receive not only wisdom, but strength. Power for obedience, for service, will be imparted to them as Christ has promised. The cool thing about having God tell you what to do is all God's biddings are enablings. When God tells you what to do, he's also giving you the power to do it. Here in this church, uh, our Bible, Bible worker was named Anna Mary Farnsworth. And she brought over 700 people into the church, not just this church, but all the churches that she worked at as a Bible worker. And uh, Colleen and I had already set the date and we were planning on getting married. And she said to us, Don't get married until God instructs you to do so. Well, how will we know? Well, she said, May I share a story of how God let me know? She said, I always wanted to be a foreign missionary. That was just my goal. I just wanted to be. And she said, a fellow from the seminary who was just graduating asked me to be his wife. And he was, he was a good-looking fellow. And he was heading over, uh, overseas in foreign service. It was such a delight. And she wanted to marry him. And she had feelings for this guy. But she didn't feel that she had been instructed by God. And so she kept putting him off and putting him off, putting him off. Finally, the day came for his ordination. And she said, I still had feelings for him. And he was going to be leaving the next week for overseas uh, mission. And... Uh, During the ordination prayer, she's down on her knees, and she's just wrestling with God. And she says, God, if if it is not your will that I marry this man, then take these feelings that I have away from me that I have. And she says, after the ordination prayer was done, she stood up. She had not one feeling for that man. She took a break. She had been a Bible worker in New York, and she took a break, and she went back home, And she says, I just bawled my eyes out, because that was the very thing I wanted to do. And she said, while I was there at home, the kid from down the street, who was an Adventist kid, who had kind of grown up together, he knocked at the door, and he asked her parents if he could call on Anna Mary. His name was Harold. And she didn't really care for Harold. And she said, God, I've kept another fellow on the string for two years now. And I can't keep another guy on the string. I have to know whether I have to date this guy or not. She was dead serious about knowing. And she said, my parents didn't know this. But she says, I would come down from my room, I would take my meals, and then I would go back and pray. And she prayed all through the first night, all through the second night, all through the third night, all through the fourth night. If she told me, "If, if you had told me that a person could stay up without any sleep this long, I would have told you you were crazy. And on the fifth night... God spoke to her audibly and said, Mary, Harold. And she, she told me, she says, Harold! Because <laughs> the thought was so foreign to her. But as they became acquainted, Harold had such a gentle spirit. He had such a kind spirit. And because she was a Bible worker... She would go out. She would have appointments in the evening. Harold would say, "Oh, I'll, I'll take care of the dishes. Oh, your time's too important for that. You, you, go. I'll take care. I'll take care of the vacuuming." And after Anna Murray died, I went and talked with Harold, and he says, "You know, I felt that I had a share in all those baptisms," and and he did. You know, in the Bible, the person, the people that were left with the baggage got just as much reward as the people who went out and fought. God gives different talents, you know, different, different gifts to, to each one. So uh, we asked uh, Anna Mary, uh, so how will God tell us if we're to get married or not? If we're not supposed to get married until we're instructed to do so, how will he tell us? Well, she says, I'm not God. I can't tell you how he's going to speak to to your hearts, what he's going to say, but don't get married until God instructs you to do so. That put us into a tizzy. Colleen was dating. We already had the date set, you know. She was dating. I said, well, can you get away for a few hours on Friday? She says, yeah, let's study everything we can find in the spirit of prophecy in the Bible, and maybe God will speak to our hearts. And we had a wonderful study. It was just, you know, great information. But have you ever heard this expression? When a person seeks information, they get nothing. But when they seek God, they get information. And uh, so after exhausting all of our research, I said, you know, we better it's close to sundown. We better have sundown worship. And so I said, I've been studying in Ezekiel. Uh, let's let 's read a passage from Ezekiel, so I started reading I thought I was in the right chapter, and i wasn 't I was in the completely wrong chapter and i 'm reading about all this stuff and I you know fighting and all this different things and whatever and i i 'm just going hot and cold because it 's a really terrible worship <laughs> i 'm just going to tell you this right now and then as i 'm reading, I came to these words, and you know um, Ellen White says, there is no help for man, woman, or child. Now think, who does that leave out? (laughs) Nobody. (laughs) Who will not hear and obey the voice of duty. For the voice of duty is the voice of God. And Ellen White also says, God will take words and sentences and make them bright and appropriate for the occasion as the voice of God to the soul. And when something jumps out at you, you're reading God's word. something jumps out at you. That's God speaking to you. And these are the words that I read to Colleen. And then you shall know that the Lord has sent me to you. And we both heard God speaking to our heart. And, you know, I'm not the easiest guy to live with. But I asked Colleen after about six or seven years of marriage. I said, has it ever run through your mind that maybe it wasn't right? She says, that thought has never crossed my mind. When God instructs you to do something, then do it. He'll give you the power to do it. Power for obedience, for service, will be imparted as Christ has promised. So the first step in a startup, not my will, but thine thine be done. Number two, make haste slowly. In other words, get good advice. All this stuff's written down on the, on the, the handout. You know, get good advice. Sit down. Is it logical? Does does it meet uh, you know? Is it uh, with God? If you've met with godly advice, do you know? Do they do they see light in it? Uh, you know the next principle. Um, maybe you've read in Mark four twenty eight. I'm sure you have. Without any help, the ground produces grain. First the plant grows, then the head, then all the grain in the head. Uh, There's a logical progression to God's plan. And usually it's start small. You know, we don't want to start small. The world says go big or go home. You know, got to start big. You got to make a big splash. Fake it till you make it. You know, that's what the world says. God says, start small. Now, there's a balancing statement in the spirit of prophecy, too. When Sutherland and McGann were down looking at that huge farm down there, which became Madison, they didn't want a big farm. They wanted to start with a small farm. They thought it was way too big. And Ellen White said to them, you folks have a lot of experience. Trust God. (laughs) Get the big farm. (laughs) You know, and they did trust God, and they did get the big farm, and it was a tremendous blessing. But under normal circumstances, smart start small. Remember when uh, the work started, there was no publishing work at all going. And uh, Ellen White was given a vision that they needed to start a paper, and that this would be like a light that would go around the world, you know, the, the publishing work. And they just didn't have any money. I mean, it was, it was just really tough sledding. And uh, um, she said to her husband, quote, I have a message for you. It would be pretty rough to have your wife be a prophet and have your wife be telling you, I have a message for you, you know. But that's okay. God can speak. However he speaks, we should treasure his light. You must begin to print a little paper and send it out to the people. Let it be small, small at first. But as the people read, they will send to you means with which to print, and it will become a success right from the first. From this small beginning, it was shown to me to be like streams of light that went clear around the world. And certainly we've, we have seen the results of that so remember they didn't have any money and so they went to the printer and they said can we make payments on this can you trust us with this and he says yeah i don't have much printing you know going on right now so we'll go ahead and start that way and uh, so they gave him the, the stuff to print and he printed up a little bundle of, of papers and uh, God impressed somebody to send money for that, and they were able to pay the printer right away. But when they started, they took that little bundle of papers, put it down on the floor, knelt around that bundle of papers, and prayed. And that was the beginning, the small beginning of this wonderful work. Then they, you know, they took, they had to trim their own papers with the pen knife, you know, and they had to fold them, you know, get them ready. And then what they did is they took them down to the um, post office. And the guy let them just put them in all the different post boxes of all the people that they thought might be interested in it. And those people were interested. And they sent more than enough to print the next one. So, you know, a lot of times we're tempted to go into debt to build up God's work. And uh, debt robs God of the supernatural thing that he wants to do uh, often. You know, we'll, 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 uh, we'll go into debt, and God wanted to do something much more wonderful. When our son was uh, going to school, we said, No debt, no debt. Dad, how am I going to get through, or whatever? I says, you know, if you have to stay out a year and work, you know, that'll that'll turn to be a blessing, or whatever. And we made it through the first couple of years, and then it looked like, you know, I mean, his parents couldn't help him anymore, and somebody anonymously paid for John's entire year down at Southern. And God worked miraculously. And God uh, enabled John to graduate debt-free. Debt so, purpose that you're going to follow God, not the world's way, when you start. When God says go, um, he will work things out. You know, uh, we can know God's will, we can discern God's will, Uh, we can be in His will, we can um, have gotten godly advice, we can start small, but unless we start, you know, when God says, go forward, it means to move. Uh, When it says, make haste, Jesus is coming soon, and we've got to put the plan to action. Sometimes we get God's will mixed up. Sometimes we, um, we're wanting to, to do God's will, but somehow we're off the track a little bit. If we invite God to stop us, if we have the wrong plan, if we're really seeking to do God's will, then He'll stop us. He'll change the plan. He'll correct the plan. T- the timing is up to God. But we need to act. Uh, you know, in in Minister of Healing, page one forty three, we have the steps about uh, you know uh, with Christ's method alone, we will achieve true success. You know, in reaching the people. And the last step is to invite. You know, after sympathizing, you know, all those things, you know, giving their felt need. We've got to, you know, it says, then he bade them follow me. And uh, I was doing a trade show. And uh, I was giving away a lot of literature. And the guy that I was sharing a booth with was was in Milan, Italy. He said, uh, well, he says, have you cut blood? I said, what's that? (laughs) Well, he says, have you sold any? I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm just uh, kind of like planting seeds. I'm getting our brochures out there and whatever. And a lot, of, a lot of people have taken literature. He says, people will take literature just to be polite. He says, they'll go around the corner and they'll just throw it in the trash. He says, you need to write orders. That's how you know if you've done any good. So the next show, I decided I was going to ask for orders. And I wrote over a hundred orders. I would simply ask them, would you like to try a bucket? You know, we had these little cushiony foam pen and pencil grips. And, uh, you know, it was 144, and there was a school supply um, show where all the teachers and the people that ran the school stores came. And just about everybody I asked, they said, sure. You know, it wasn't a big deal. And so with God... You need, there's an action step that's often missing. You know, um, with uh, Dr. Sweet and I and all the talk that we've been doing about this new ministry, and and we've tried a lot of different approaches, we've talked to a lot of different people. Um, I got an idea the other day. I know somebody who's diabetic. I know somebody who's diabetic. And this guy is a fairly wealthy, influential individual here in town. And I know Dr. Swena knows how to help diabetics. Why don't I just put these two, two together, see what happens, you know? Uh, that's starting small. It's doing something. It's, you know, It can grow. It doesn't have to be a, a wonderful plan that you implement, that you start real big, you know? You can, you can start small and see what, what God does. Remember the Western Health Reform Institute. They were just fixing up this old building, and people started coming, and, and they weren't even ready for people, and yet uh, they had customers r- right away. So uh, one of the principles is to cooperate with God. When, when you see the doors open, when you see God's providential uh, uh, hand, We need to to step in. Um, Ellen White says it this. Very much will be lost. Opportunities will pass. And the opening of providence of God will not be discerned. Now, on this counsel that Ellen White gives about knowing God's will, she talks about open doors and shut doors. And that's a a subject that we need to delve into just a little bit. Because often we'll just see an open door, and we'll go through, and it's like the bottom drops out. It doesn't work out or whatever, and we wonder why. In writing to her son, she says, a path opens before you. But whether you're to go in or not, none is wise enough to discern. And then she says, a way hedges up before you. That sounds like a closed door to me. But whether it is to stop you or to test your steadfast patience, none is wise enough to discern. Uh, I think this is found on um, the book This Day with God, page 284. It's called Guidance in Perplexity. So what are you supposed to do? Well... In scripture, we have a scriptural principle about knowing God's will. Do you remember uh, Joseph had two dreams? And then Pharaoh had two dreams. And Joseph explains to Pharaoh why he had two separate dreams to tell of the same event. Joseph says, the reason that the dream was doubled unto thee, O Pharaoh, is because the thing is certain. In the New Testament, we have the principle. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let the thing be established. So, I call this principle the principle of the second witness. Often, um, on small things, I may not wait for the second witness. When God prompts me, I'm going to do it. But, on big things, like starting something new, like a startup, a new ministry, a new business, or something like that, I think you need at least two witnesses. Um, Dr. Fred Harding uh, he found out how adamant I could be on that. I had called him to be the director of Total Health Lifestyle Center. We had board approval, and I was convicted. Fred is the guy you need to to invite and uh, I would call him up and he'd say, no, I'm a a pastor and I'm very happy in the work. I'm in Oregon and everything's going good. I don't really want to do that. Well, I was convinced that Jesus wanted me to to get him to be the director of Total Health Lifestyle Center. So I was persistent. I wouldn't give up. And uh, every time the phone would ring, the kids in the house would say, Daddy, it'll just be Mike. You just... (laughs) better go ahead and get it. It'll be for you. Sure enough, it was me. It took 50 hours of phoning before he finally said, yes, I will come. 50 hours. And uh, when he said yes, there seemed to be a little bit of uncertainty in his voice. And I, I said, Fred, I said, you don't really sound convinced. I said, do you have two evidences from God? That you're supposed to go to Total Health. Well, he didn't have anything right off the top of his, his head. I said, well, I'm going to wait a little long, longer. And I know you've given me a yes, but I but I want a yes with certainty. So I waited two weeks and I called him. And he says, yes, I have two things. In fact, I says, I have three. He says, first of all, when I knelt down in prayer, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, Come over to Macedonia and help us. He says, then I was reading in, I believe, Ministry of Healing. And these words just jumped out at me. And and he told me what it was. I don't recall what it was at the time. And then he says, the third thing was from Scripture. When God speaks, then you can act. Well, Fred came to Total Health. And the very first day he was there, he took one look at the books and how, how we were doing financially. And he said, I almost went home that first day. If God hadn't have spoken to him three separate ways, he never would have stayed. So remember that principle in, in, in starting something major. Remember the principle of the second witness. You know, if, if I were to just uh, put a, a, a dot somewhere, you know, it's, it's X marks the spot, you know. And uh, if you have an X axis and a Y axis and a Z axis, it's even more certain. Okay, so I don't know if you're comfortable doing this or not, but I'll try it. See if uh, see if it works or not. Um, some of you obviously are in this for uh, some business reason. You have an idea. You have a thought. You have a uh, a uh, uh, something you want to do, and you may have some questions. And uh, I'm. Happy to go on rambling, or I'm happy to answer questions. But I did want to take take some time and see if there were any questions that you might have. Uh, you say, "Well, man, you didn't even talk about the, the the steps in a startup. You just talked about the steps before a startup." Uh, but I think those are steps that the world won't give you. You know, down at the uh, business incubation place, they can give you the steps of a startup. Um, You know, doing focus groups, those kinds of things, defining your market, um, coming up with a plan. But I just thought I'd turn it over to you for questions to see if you had any questions or if there was anything I could elaborate on or, Mike, you didn't make that clear. Um, Some of you have some ideas maybe that you're working on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, the first business I started, I started this in 1973, and it was called Grab-On Grips. And if you've ever seen these little foam cushiony grips on an ice scraper or a baby stroller or a pen or a pencil or something like that, um, it started off with bicycles, and it was a really terrible name. It was called Comfort Riders Handlebar Padding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh... I was going back to do a trade show in New York, and uh, the guy sitting next to me was a very famous movie director. He couldn't get into first class that day, and he had to sit back with the rest of us. And uh, he asked me, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going back to New York. I'm showed in this package, comfort riders, handlebar padding, you know. And he didn't put his hand on my knee, but he said in in this tone of voice, son, I think you need a new name. And he said, why don't you call it Grab On. Well, being a cocky, young entrepreneur, I, uh, I knew he was a famous movie director. I'd heard of the movies, you know, that he'd done. At least one of them was a current Hollywood movie. And, uh, but what, I thought, what does he know about naming? So I asked him, have you ever helped anybody name something? He says, yes. I said, like what? Well, he says, a friend of mine came up with a round thing you put around your waist. And he says, I called it hula hoop and he's the guy that named the the Hula Hoop. And uh, I checked, and the guy that did invent the Hula Hoop lived in his same town, and so I thought, better write that down, grab on. (laughs) Anyway, it was a foam grip company, and it went worldwide, and uh, so... uh, What do you do now? Okay, so, working on a new, new startup. Ellen White envisioned only two works... Going at the very, in the very last, and it's the publishing work and the medical missionary work. Amen. And uh, uh, the publishing work that she envisioned, I'm sure she she never could have dreamt at the at the ways you can publish today. But those are the the two businesses or works that are referred to in Ezekiel 47 where she talks about the stream, the river that goes down, you know, and everywhere it goes, it brings healing. And the only two works that she likens that to is the medical missionary work and, and the publishing work. In one famous quotation that I'm sure you're acquainted with, Ellen White says, I wish to tell you that soon there will be no work done in ministerial lines. Think about it. What, what has to happen for there to be no work in ministerial lines but medical missionary work? Another famous quotation that she she gives, she says, When connected with other lines of, of gospel work, the medical missionary work is a most effective tool to prepare the soil for reception of the seed. Now think about it. In the parable of the soils, if you could have made it all good ground, if you could have tilled up the rocky ground or the weedy ground or whatever, you would have gotten a great harvest. She says... It's a most effective tool to prepare the ground for reception of the seed and the instrument by which the harvest is to be reaped. So the next thing I want to do is a startup in the area of medical missionary work. And years ago, God already gave us a ghost town and a hot springs. And so eventually we'll be able to use that as a tertiary referral center, you know. Um, People that you can't help in the city that need to get away from it all. Um, also, the workers need to get away from it all as well, and uh, to get out in the country for peace of mind, etc. is a wonderful a blessing. Anyway, so that's what I'm working on. It's something in the medical missionary work. Any other questions or comments or thoughts? You thinking of some idea, and uh, yeah. So you started your your. You know, um, uh, Doctor Sweeney and I have been talking with a couple of other other doctors. Um, Ellen White says the work which is not done during a time of prosperity will have to be done during a time of adversity, and it seems like the adversity is now in its regulations. The the, the regulations uh, concerning health care are really tough. And it's hard to profit from health care unless you, I mean, on on the back end, let's let's look at the current delivery system for health care. In most cases, if I go to the doctor, he's only making money when I'm sick. But if he's really good at prevention and helps prevent all these illnesses, then he can't make any money. And so the only people that profit are the health insurance companies. And so these two doctors in the Moscow Pullman area, they want to start their own health insurance company. And so we would love to work together with whoever wants to be part of this plan. And, uh, you know, it's God's plan, and he'll bring it together in the right time in the right way. Any other thoughts, questions, comments? Um, People are getting too busy. They're just so busy. They've got to be really focused. It's got to be something they're really interested in for them to come. You know. <laughs> yeah, not just thinking financially, but a lot that you just spend a lot of money. <laughs> People are more interested in a change in their weight than a change in the Sabbath. You know, um, as Adventists. Uh, we see a lot of the principles found in the writings of Spirit of Prophecy that the world is beginning to adopt. The world is ahead of us in certain ways. Um, but we still have something that's unique. Okay? Um, we're told that the gospel and the medical are never to be separated. Okay? Why is that? Uh, We're told that when the two are not united, there is placed upon our church the worst evil that can be placed there. That's a pretty big statement, you know? The gospel and the medical, the doctor and the minister. And uh, I think I'm beginning to to sense why. Uh, One represents the power to do it. Okay, the gospel, for it is the power of God, right? And uh, the medical missionary work, we're told, is the gospel in practice, uh, the teaching and healing. I was recently, um, uh, I guess it's been a, a while now, at uh, a very important business, probably the, the single richest business in uh, eastern Washington. Okay, they have more disposable income. They self-insure. So if one of their employees is hurting uh, and has a heart attack or whatever, it's going to cost them a quarter million dollars. You know, costs them a lot of money to have unhealthful employees. And I was meeting with the director of wellness of this company. And uh, I was representing the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and I asked him, I said, is there anything we, the Adventist Church, can do to help you to work with your company? He says, no. He said, our censors, if they saw anything spiritual in your PowerPoint presentation, they wouldn't let you in. He said, even if there was a motive of spiritual connection, they wouldn't let you in. This is the head of wellness, and we're getting nowhere fast, and I've got to try something really risky. So I said to the head of wellness, I said, would it surprise you if I were to tell you that wellness doesn't work. I had just read the largest study that had ever been done on wellness. Millions of covered lives, and for every dollar that corporations invested in wellness, they only got pennies back. So I said that to this guy, and he kind of lost his game face. And he hung his head ashamed, and he says, I know it doesn't work. He said all we're trying to do is just kind of hold our own. I said, "Would you like to know why it doesn't work?" He said, "Yeah." You know, in other words, give it a try. <laughs> I, I'm I'm all ears. I said, "Well, can I use the Bible?" <laughs> yeah, go ahead. You know, this is at a very high level. He can't he can't have it go to his employees, but he can he can hear it himself. I said, you know, it says in Scripture that a leopard can't change his spots, nor an Ethiopian his skin. And I was a little nervous about saying that because there were two, we'll say, Ethiopians in the the room, okay? (laughs) Okay? And uh, it says, neither can you who are accustomed to doing evil then do good. I said, could we go to the New Testament for a minute? He says, yeah, go ahead. He said... I I, I told him, I said, there's a lot of people who have an opinion as to what the gospel is. I've heard lots of sermons on it. But I said, this is what scripture has to say. It is the power of God. And I said, that's what's missing in wellness. The power of God. I said, if we had a place off campus that wasn't here at your company, could you send people to it? If I had asked this question five minutes before, he never would have given me this answer. But with determination, this guy says, yes. He says, I would, in fact, I would send somebody today. He says, I've got a guy that weighs over 400 pounds, one of my employees, and I know he's just ripe for heart attack. He realized that traditional wellness wasn't working. Yeah, it works for a while. Ellen White says it this way, we may leave off a bad habit for a time, But without the grace of Christ abiding in the heart, there can be no lasting change. And lasting change is the only change that's worth paying for. And uh, we as Adventists have the secret of how to make medical missionary work. It's lasting change. It's the grace of Christ abiding in the heart. Yes? Yes? Absolutely. And what we're finding is it's difficult, even in our church, for people to adopt those principles. You can easily uh, attend any church publics and you'll understand what I'm saying, right? So do you have a comment on how we uh, can, can steer in that direction? Well, you've already mentioned the key, and that is, what am I doing? You know, when we think the church is off track or the church is doing this or the church is doing that... I am the church. What am I doing? And we can start with one. And then like Christ, you know, he didn't try to change the whole crowd. But he looked for open hearts. He looked for receptive hearts. And I can just tell you that I've got a member of my Sabbath school class and she's on fire for Christ. You know the ones that are on fire for Christ. And we need to work with a few who um, who are holding back nothing, you know, they just they just want to please God. Um, um, Moody used to talk about half and half Christians, and uh, we're told that to be almost but not wholly saved is to be wholly lost, and we need to be all His, all in, and find people who. Are all in. And work with those. I don't have any other answer. Yes. So maybe in the light of what you said. In answer to his question. Might be is. When we go to church potluck. We take our healthy. That tastes good. Amen. You know I appreciate going to potlucks. And I you can tell. And learning how to make that taste edible is a talent and if you've got that talent then you bring it and then pretty soon you're going to find out that your dish is empty while the rest are sitting there half full still yeah any other thoughts yeah. so um, this, this model of like total health in Spokane could that business model or you know, your business ministry model could it work or has it worked or has anyone done it in Places overseas, in particular like East Asia or even the Middle East. Okay, so let me give you one of the saddest quotations in the spirit of prophecy. To to me, one of the saddest. Ellen White talks about the medical missionary work and she talks about sending scores of workers into the cities. But she says the perplexing question yet remains unanswered How shall the workers be sustained? And I haven't seen a model yet that's financially prosperous. Um, she says to our managers of our sanitariums that they should be able to manage, quote, without running behind. So it's not God's plan. It's not pleasing for him for us to go into debt, to, to, to run behind. He wants it to be financially uh, secure, at least. Maybe it doesn't have to be you know, super prosperous but it needs to be secure financially and i don't know what the what the answer is there Where is that found? um i don't have it right off the top of my head but i can get it to you johnny yeah thanks for asking yeah i've been to asia i've been to a lot of places i've visited so many places and i've never seen a plan i mean we talk about self-supporting institutions institutions should support themselves <laughs> <laughs> I know the uh, health center that Eugene Pruitt is working with right now um, Amen. Amen. and the school that he's part of at least I know is fully self-supporting through literature ministry which is incredible partly due to the lower living cost in Malaysia um, I'm not sure about the health center if that's self-supporting or not right? yeah, it is, it is. So, well praise the Lord a, there might be a way it could work in some countries with the lower living costs. yeah um. I don't know if you heard of the Atwells. They're, they're in Chiang Mai, they're building a... thing. Yeah. They're um, building a... I guess you could say it's a house somewhere. But they'll have like a juice bar, they're setting up a rock climbing wall, and they're um, parked next uh, to a, a massive university. There's 500,000 students. And one of the big, big things there is health, healthful living. Amen. The students. So they're, they're to do that. Well, we're almost out of time here. Um, the next seminar, we're going to be talking about um, three of the most important principles for outreach. And this is within a business or without a, out of a business. And just experiences on that. And then this afternoon, uh, my favorite one, I saved the best to last. It's called The Secret of Solomon. How Solomon received wisdom from God. And uh, so that's uh, 2 o'clock this afternoon. Thanks for being here. And can I ask the Lord to bless you? Starheads. Loving Father, um, there are people here with ideas. Um, Lord, we lay all of our plans at your feet to be given up or carried out as you shall direct. But Lord, direct. And then give us the, the word to, to go. And then give us the energy and the power and uh, the stick to itness, we pray. And thank you for each individual here. Fill each one with your spirit, we pray, in Christ's name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse